closer to one another by awakening us to our common status as fellow travelers on one small planet. As a Chinese amateur astronomer wrote me recently, astronomy is the most significant way to unify us. Although we have different skin colors and live in different countries, we should all be one family on this planet. No other cause is so noble in my eyes. As this is a narrative work rather than an academic review, many estimable astronomers and telescope makers go unmentioned here, not through any deficiency of theirs, but because they didn't happen to fit into the story as I've told it. I can only apologize for these omissions with the plea that storytelling like the sun in the sky obscures as much as it reveals. In addition to the many stargazers whose cooperation was essential to my research and whose kindness and hospitality have been a boon, I am grateful to my wife and family, and to William Alexander, Andrew Fracknoy, Edwin C. Krupp, Owen Laster, Sarah Lippincott, Alice Mayhew, Leif Robinson, Donna April Chuase, and Tara Wykell. Seeing in the Dark was written in San Francisco, California, in Florence and Castiglione della Pescaia, Italy, and at Rocky Hill Observatory on Sonoma Mountain, California, from 1991 to 2001. Portions of it originally appeared in a substantially different form in The New Yorker. Part 1. The Shore From the Observatory Log, A Primate at Dusk At sunset on a late autumn day, the skies have cleared, so I hike the two hundred paces from the house up the hill to the observatory. A two-day storm has scrubbed the sky clean of haze and left the fruit trees in the orchard bare. Their dead leaves spread like vendors' wares in soggy puddles of russet and yellow at their feet. The vineyards flanking the path are soaked, their leaves hammered into sheets of glistening gold. Lined up toward the top of the dirt path stand three farm structures, each sided in railroad red clapboard and roofed with corrugated steel. The first is a barn, the second a tractor shed, and the third, pitched out over the hillside, is the observatory. Its roof rolls off. Inside, I step around the cylindrical concrete pier that supports the telescope one story above. Two feet thick, rooted in bedrock far below, the pier stands at the heart of the observatory but touches it nowhere, an isolation imposed to prevent its picking up vibrations. Upstairs, I'm gratified to find that the telescope, hunkered down on its concrete lily pad and safe beneath the low roof, has weathered the storm bone dry. I release a big red safety latch and heave my weight against the nearest aluminum stud. The roof emits a groan and starts rolling on its twelve steel wheels until it has cleared away and suddenly I am outdoors again, under a promising sky of unblemished and darkening blue. I tilt the telescope skyward and reach in through the struts of its skeleton tube to uncover the concave primary mirror, which returns a fleeting, funhouse image of my face big goofy jowls and diminished brow, as if to underscore the preposterousness of my primate pretensions, an ape out to learn about the cosmos. The mirror, wide as a serving platter and thick as a phone book, is figured in a parabola to an accuracy of better than one-eighth of the wavelength of sodium light, but until it reaches the same temperature as the surrounding air, it will be somewhat warped. While waiting for the mirror to cool down, I sit at the desk switch on a small red night vision light, red light long in wavelength and relatively low in energy, minimizes dazzle to the dark-adapted eye, and make an entry on a ruled page of the observatory logbook. 
sky cloudless, light southwest wind, humidity 67% and falling. I consult a favorite old star chart. Its vanilla pages crossed by thin grid lines on which the stars and nebulae hang like grapes on a trellis are dotted with inked-in notes on observations made over the years. The trails of comets past, a penciled dot locating a quasar, its light a few billion years old, and the numbered distances of stars and nebulae, part of a lifelong effort to comprehend our immediate neighborhood out to just a couple of thousand light-years or so in three dimensions. But most of the inscriptions refer to galaxies, each designated by an unfilled oval on the star chart, each home to a hundred billion stars. The darkness is deepening, and their hour is at hand. Chapter 1 Beginnings Poor boy leaves moon viewing for rice grinding.